0: Actually, and I did for the first time in my life. I followed the the uh, historical church calendar, and I, in part of my devotions, I did a Lent. Uh, following. And Lent is basically a time of fasting and prayer. Um, I didn't fast anything. I, I didn't do that, but, uh, but I was going through listening and uh, anticipating the death and resurrection in my devotions over the past several weeks. And I also had the opportunity in the last two weeks to read through all four Gospels, the accounts, the series of events leading up to the death and resurrection. And then I spent a little time looking at the Old Testament in uh, some prophecy. And in uh, That's where I want to start this morning, is really with the Gospels. And I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23 is where we're going to start. And there's uh, an exchange here. Jesus is on the cross. He's being crucified. And uh, in verse 32, it says that two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. So they're on their way to the cross. When they came to the place called the skull, they were crucified where they crucified him along with criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And then if you skip down to verse 39, it says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, don't you fear God? He said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our, disease, or what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said, or then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this morning would capture our hearts. Lord, that everything that is said from this moment forward would be straight from heaven. God, that it would pierce into the hearts, that it would soften, that it would change us from the inside out. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reign true this morning, and we give you the praise for that and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In this little account here in Luke chapter 23, there are two thieves. The first thief, of course, is out of control, I believe. He's hurling insults. He's dying. And at his, he's uh, about to breathe his last breath in the next few hours. He's bleeding. He's got nails in his arms and uh, nails in his feet. And uh, he's hanging there next to Jesus, and he won't let it go. He's hurling insults at Jesus the other the second thief the second criminal is there and he recognized that jesus was innocent all the beatings all the torture now being nailed to the cross by the way this was all allowed by the holy spirit but it was all totally undeserved and the second thief knew this i don't know if it was revealed to him by the holy spirit or if it was something instinctively inside of him. Perhaps he had followed Jesus from a distance, or maybe had heard some of the reports. And it's interesting that the second thief also recognized not only Jesus' innocence, but he recognized his own circumstances. He understood that he was there, nailed to the cross as well, nails in his arms and in his feet, just like Jesus, just like the other. But for him, he knew that he was dying a just death. And we don't know why he died, but we know that he was guilty. It could have been for a number of reasons. Maybe he broke one of the Ten Commandments. Maybe he had murdered someone. Maybe he had stolen something. We don't know, but in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, it's interesting. There's a list of sins here. Look what it says. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, uh, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and the like. And the list could go on. There are a lot of things that could have happened. And what he realizes in Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. And so the second criminal there, hanging on the cross, recognizes that he's there and he's getting what he deserved. And the reality is is that none of us are righteous. All of us could be there on the cross getting what we deserve and the second thief he understood that. Now back to the claims in the Luke chapter uh, Luke chapter 23. Look at what it says. In verse 42, it says this, and then Jesus or then the uh, criminal said, "Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom." And Jesus answered, "I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise." So this thief is there. He's calling out to Jesus, uh, rebuking the other soldier or the, the other criminal, and he's saying, "Look, Lord, don't forget me." And Jesus, one of his last words was, today you'll be with me in paradise. How could Jesus have made this claim? Was he just blowing hot air? Was, he, was it wishful thinking? Was he just trying to calm the other criminals down? Was he just trying to be nice? No. He was providing forgiveness. And only because of who Jesus was could Jesus say that thing no one else could offer such a pardon. It's incredible. Plus, Jesus' words were believable because of the life that Jesus had lived. And those that his life, of course, is recorded in the Gospels. And throughout the Gospels, there are 34 miracles that Jesus performed. You can read them uh, on your leisure. I encourage you to do so. Uh, but there's proof In the power of Jesus, because of his actions, because of his life that he lived. Now, in the book of John, there are seven miracles. And by the way, the book of John is the book that I often encourage new believers or those that are searching out Jesus to read. It's just an incredible story of Jesus. If you've never read through the book of John, you need to do it this week. But in the book of John, there are seven miracles, and I want to just go through those quickly. In John chapter two, was the uh, Jesus turned water? Into wine. It was his very first miracle. At the end of the feast, uh, at, at the end of the wedding ceremony, they're running out of wine. Um, Jesus' mother says, Hey, go ask him. He will help you. And Jesus turned the water into wine. And it wasn't just average wine, it was the best. In John chapter 4, a royal officer's son was healed. What's interesting about this account in John chapter 4 is that it happened from a distance. Jesus didn't have to be there, it was just by the words of Jesus that the miracle was performed. In John chapter 5, an invalid is healed after 38 years of suffering at the pool of Bethesda, and that Jesus uh, healed him and touched him and uh, made him whole. In John chapter 6, Jesus, of course, feeds the 5,000. And uh, what's awesome about that, it wasn't just 5,000 men. There was women and children. Some think it was over 10,000 people were fed with five loaves and two fish. An incredible miracle. Then right after that, Jesus walks on the water to boot, and uh, that's a great chapter to read. In John chapter 9, a man born, born blind was healed. And it wasn't by laser surgery or any kind of cataract cut sort of thing. It was mud and saliva. How about that? And then he washed in the pool of Shalom. And then in John chapter 11, Jesus performed the sixth miracle. He raised Lazarus from the dead. 4 days after he'd been in the grave, he raised him. And these miracles, the miraculous powers that followed Jesus were the substance of what Jesus could point to in order to say with confidence to the thief on the cross, "Today you will be with me in paradise." Does that make sense? And it's interesting that the 7th miracle Uh, It was the resurrection of Jesus, His own resurrection. And by the way, tonight we're going to get a picture of that uh, when we watch AD together. I want to encourage you to do that. But that seventh miracle was a proof from an earlier statement by Jesus way back in John chapter 11. I want you to turn, uh, you should be there uh, with me, or you can turn there with me, John chapter 11, verses uh, 23 through 26. Look what it, uh, it says. Uh, And this is is after Lazarus was dead. This is on uh, Jesus' coming back into town. Martha is all upset. Uh, She says, Lord, uh, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha understood this, says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, look, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And we see this here, that I am the resurrection and the life. And in the seventh miracle, the resurrection of Jesus himself, again, the miraculous power there gives Jesus the substance of what he could point to in order to say with confidence to the thief, look, today your sins are will be forgiven let's go back to that in luke chapter 23 verse 43 today you'll be with me in paradise jesus offered the criminal forgiveness right on the spot total grace totally undeserved and jesus was able because of who he was It was like Jesus was turning back the time. He was reversing the damage. He was reversing the problem, reversing the sin, as if he had never been a criminal. Right there on the cross, Jesus offered him this grace. Now, I was thinking about that. How many of us wish, at times, that you could turn back time? Yeah? I, I I do. Right after saying something and saying, oh, I did not just say that. Don't you wish you could just rewind 30 seconds and get those words back sometimes? Or you do something and did you wish you had not? But the problem is, is that the arrow of time points in one direction, always forward, doesn't it? And in most cases, what's done is done. What's said is said. There are some things that are just irreversible. They're irreversible. Let me give you an example. When you ba- uh, uh, bake some cookies, you can't unbake cookies. Or oh, even a better illustration, maybe, if you put a quarter cup of salt in a dish to eat, you can't take that salt out. <laughs> I'm looking at my wife. When we were first married, we did that. Uh, she was making some chicken casserole or something, and she was just going by the recipe. It said a quarter cup of salt instead of a quarter teaspoon of salt. She just followed the directions, poured it in, and I sat there. I wouldn't eat it. She was mad for about a day and a half. <laughs> but I'm expecting today's Easter meal to be much better. I'm just, just going to say, Jessica's in the back. Give her a little wave. Yeah, I love you, honey. <laughs> but there are some things that are irreplaceable or irreversible, right? Um, I got a haircut not too long ago, um, and I came home, and my whole family thought I should just shave the rest of the hair off. And, uh, and I thought, well... It's irreversible. I did let it grow. It did get a little bit better. And, but there are some things that are irreversible. How many have ever run a red light and paid for it? I know that I have. Some things, some things are just irreversible. And some of the lessons we can easily laugh off and we can just move on and we can, and it's not a big deal. But some are not. And they leave these holes in our hearts because of the things that we've said or the things that we've done. And it can leave you feeling like, your life is over. You're thinking, okay, maybe you've made a financial decision, maybe an investment that you lost, and you're saying, saying okay, you know, how am I ever going to get that back? Or how am I going to ever get traction again? Or maybe in a relationship, maybe you've said something, you've done something, you've lost a friend, or maybe you're, you're a spouse, uh, you've said something, and you're like, oh, I can't, I'll never get those words back or maybe it's led to divorce and you're saying, boy, you know, it's over and uh, there's no hope in this relationship. That can happen. Or even something physically, you do something, you damage something, and it seems irreversible who's been there at some point at one time in your life or another. But this morning, I want you to know that, praise the Lord, things are not over until God says that they're over. Amen. And when Jesus rose from the grave, which we'll see tonight in, uh, in picture, which will be awesome, he removed impossible from our vocabulary. It's gone. Just like the thief on the cross, the idea of impossible is removed. And the resurrection, that seventh miracle in the book of John, it revealed the true identity of Jesus, the full identity of Jesus, and Jesus' bold claim in John chapter 11, verse 25, that I am the resurrection and the life, it became a reality. And the miracle of that resurrection, which we studied uh, for six weeks back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as we were studying through 1 Corinthians 15, it set Jesus apart and put him in a league all of his own, that he is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of the Most High God. And the foundation of all we believe hinges on the resurrection. That's why Easter is so important to us. And the empty tomb. And we, we, as we studied it, there were eyewitnesses. And Jesus was the first fruit. And uh, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, takes a lot of time. 58 verses, we studied them together together to prove and to defend the physical, bodily, uh, literal resurrection of Jesus. There is no argument in my mind as we studied that, we looked at that, and then not only did we look at that, we said, what are our bodies going to look like, and what, will, what and when will the resurrection be? We studied all those things. But because Jesus walked out of the grave 2,000 years ago, all bets are off, all bets are on Jesus Christ. He makes the impossible Possible, Amen. I love that. Now, in uh, John chapter eleven, verse twenty-six, I want to kind of go back there. It's the story. Of course, Lazarus is dead. Jesus is coming into town. He's going to comfort the sisters there. And what's interesting about this is that there's something that happens. There's a question that's answered here. Let's look at it. Verse twenty-six. Jesus, uh, or I'm sorry, verse twenty-five. Jesus says, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though." he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die and then there's a little question do you believe this do you believe this Martha and her little answer here after Jesus asserts his identity saying I am the resurrection and the life he punctuates it with a question that uh, Martha was able to Sink her teeth in. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord. I do. Look what she says. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. By the way, this was before Lazarus was risen from the grave. Martha answered with a simple profession of faith. Nothing complicated about it. A simple, yes, Lord. And her answer That one little yes changed her world. That one little yes today can also change your life and your family's life and your friends' lives as well. One little yes can change an eternity. And the reality is, is that someday our life will come to an end and there will be a final exam. There will be one final exam, and there's only one question on that exam. Do you believe this? There won't be a multiple choice. It'll be true or false, a yes or a no, and your answer will determine your eternal destination. But the good news is is that we've got an open book exam, right? (laughs) And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, I love what it says. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the hope that we have is salvation. The good news is that the resurrection is the access of our faith. Everything revolves around Easter Sunday morning. The resurrection changed everything. It redefined everything. It was a history changer. It was a game changer. And salvation is provided because of what Jesus did. He died and then he rose again. Do you believe this? But the resurrection miracles doesn't stop with just salvation. The power of the resurrection raises dreams to life. It resurrects dead relationships that have been given up on. It gives life back to the hardest circumstances. It redeems. It restores. It takes away what the enemy has stolen. Aren't you thankful for that? Like the thief on the cross, we get better than what we deserve. We get better. Friday night, some of you were here at our worship and baptism service. And one after the other, we uh, got little testimonies, little bits of into, peace, into people's lives. We saw the change. We saw the joy. We saw the transformation that was uh, happening in people's lives. And what we realize there and what we understand, uh, if you've been in the church, is that Jesus, He gives our smiles back. He gives us our laughter back. He gives us our life back in every area if we believe. And remember what Jesus accomplished. What did Jesus accomplish? At first, look it looked like death. It looked like he was powerless. The, uh, his followers are saying, "What? What now? What do we do?" He's on the cross, right? Jesus is gone. They're asking the question, "Where are the miracles when Jesus needed them?" Uh, what uh, was it all a lie? Was it just fantasy? Was it just one big trick? How could Jesus have been so? brutally abused and killed. The disciples, I'm sure, were saying, how could he have stood so powerless at the hands of such brutality? Jesus' followers would have been devastated at first look. Hearts broken, hope obliterated. Uh, This was the end, right? But we know the end of the story. The disciples didn't. In the first several chapters of Acts, the story of Jesus was not over. It was just about to begin. It was just the beginning. And what we're going to learn over the next several weeks is that we can live and face tomorrow because Jesus lives. Amen. It's a new beginning for you and for me. And what looked like the end was really just the beginning. Three days after being on the cross, the universe shifted. Eternity was changed forever. Death was defeated and he lives he lives he lives and the power of the resurrection and what it means for us for those that have given their hearts to the lord it means that there's freedom there is freedom church for you there is restoration for you there is healing relationships can be transformed there is help for you there's comfort and joy and peace all because he is alive. Amen. He's alive. But again, do you believe it? Do you believe it? We call the Easter the Super Bowl for the for the church, or maybe the national championship. I don't know how many of you are interested in March Madness and uh, saw Michigan State. What happened there, right? We wish we could turn back time for that, right? But the reality is, no matter what the game is, uh, it could be football or basketball or baseball or hockey, whatever your sport might be, these games on this side of eternity, they're only going to be memories for most of us. It might be a big deal for some that maybe are participating. They may understand and know. But even for those that are participating, it will become a fading memory. We may watch the national championship this week and, and enjoy the game together with, with, uh, with people that we uh, enjoy spending time with, but, uh, but the game will pass and it really won't matter uh, all that much in our lives. It's not going to change any of our futures. But unlike the big game that we may watch this week or maybe like the Super Bowl, if you can get your mind around that thought, the resurrection story is a game changer in our lives. And you can't miss it. You can't miss it. And I believe that this morning, Jesus is asking us, do you believe? Do you believe? Just like Martha. If he was here today standing, he'd say, do you believe the story? Do you believe? Do you believe? And Jesus this morning, just like the thief on the cross, he is excited to offer you forgiveness forgiveness from your sins. He takes your sins as far as the east is from the west, right on the spot, right here, right now. He wants to turn back the time in regards to your sin and he wants to erase them and make your heart clean. And this morning, I want to just challenge you that on the cross next to Jesus, there were two thieves, two different situations. One thief had a hard heart the other had a softer heart and God was able to use that and he offered him forgiveness. And this morning, if, you're so, if your heart is soft towards Jesus, he will forgive you. He'll come into your life and he wants to do that. Now, I don't know what journey you're on. I'm not sure what your last week or your last season of your life has been like. If you're away from the Lord today, you need to come back. There's no better time than on Easter Sunday morning Amen. to respond to a salvation call. In just a moment, we're going to provide that. And maybe you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ, or maybe you've, you've uh, uh, entertained, or maybe you've pretended, but you're saying, man, this morning, the truth of the gospel is ringing loud and clear. Don't walk out of these doors. In just a moment, we're going to give you that opportunity. The second thing is that there's power in resurrection. And I want us all to think about our lives. Think about the things that we face day in and day out. Think about what's coming up in our lives, the things over the horizon. For some of you, it's uh, school choices. For some of you, it's job changes. For some of you, you have some uh, physical limitations, maybe some surgery ahead. Maybe, uh, maybe you've got sickness that you're trying to get over. Maybe you've got some financial issues ahead of you. Whatever the case might be, the power of the resurrection is available to help you. You could be hurting emotionally, and the power of the resurrection can bring just a flood of joy and peace. Whatever the case might be this morning, for each and every one of us, we can embrace that power, and we can walk in confidence. And I believe that that is God-honoring, that that is what God desires. But it's all rooted, Pastor Bobby, you can come, it's all rooted in the idea, in this one question, do you believe this? Martha a- answered, yes, Lord, I do I believe that you are the Son of God. And this morning, I'm asking you, where do you stand with this final exam question? Do you believe in Jesus? I want everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. We've created lots of space here this morning to be able to respond. And on this Easter Sunday morning, it does not matter for a second what your life has been like up to this point, if the Lord has revealed, if He's turning on the light bulb in your life at this point, if He's revealing Himself and saying, I am the Son of God. I am the resurrection and the life. If you are acknowledging that and you're saying, man, I believe I want you just to raise your hand right where you are, saying, I believe, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I believe. I believe it. Now, there's some here this morning that didn't raise their hand for one reason or another. Maybe you could didn't feel like you could or maybe didn't understand what I was asking, that's okay too. But this morning I want to make it crystal clear. If you're here today and you want to say yes to Jesus, you want to surrender your life to Him, you want to walk with Him from this day forward. If you're here this morning, that's your your decision. You're saying, boy, I need Jesus in my life. I want you just to raise your hand on this Easter Sunday morning. Who this morning would respond, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Who else this morning saying, that's me. I need Jesus today. You can put your hands down anybody else this morning saying, I can't walk out of these doors without getting my life right with the Lord. Maybe you've served Him in the past. Maybe you've had a relationship, but you feel distant and far. How many here... Need a fresh beginning to say yes. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. All right, thank you. <laughs> awesome. There were two young people that raised their hand this morning, young adults. I'm not going to embarrass them, call them out, but I'm going to ask us that we could do something together. I'm going to lead us in a what I call a miracle prayer. It's not a, a miracle because of, of the words. It's, it's the believing the words in the prayer that will change our hearts and will create a new beginning for us. And I believe this morning as we, we do this that for those two that will participate and as we participate together, that God, because of his word, he will take away our sins and take them as far as the east is from the west. And he gives us a fresh start. And that's exciting. This morning, would you repeat after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, on Easter Sunday, I declare that I believe in You. I believe that You're the Son of God and that You can take away my sin and give me a new beginning, a fresh start. Come into my life Save me, I confess, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Isn't that exciting? That God, He can restore, He can change in an instant, and He desires that in our lives. If we go back a couple weeks when we were talking through 1 Corinthians 15, I couldn't get off my mind the reality that many of us, we understand what Easter is, we understand what the resurrection is here, but we don't always allow it to affect us here and in our day-to-day. And I just want to have everyone stand this morning. And I want you to consider the area of life that you need the power of the resurrection most. Can you think about it? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in another relationship. Where do you need the power of the resurrection? There are people here that are sick and that are hurting, that, are, that need the power of the resurrection to touch them right here, right now. Some of your finances are in shambles, and you need the power of the resurrection to give you the discipline to be able to get some traction. Maybe you need a job. Maybe you need a change of situation. Maybe you need to change some friends. Maybe there's some some here that are emotionally hurting. And I believe that the power of God, the power of Jesus Christ is available if we receive it, if we ask for that. And so this is what I want us to do. Can you all think of something, an area that you, where you need the power most? Can you, can you think that? Just in your own way, I want you to ask the Lord for help in that circumstance. And maybe there's a couple circumstances that come to mind. Can we do that just for a moment? Just right where you are, in your own words. Maybe you say it out loud or maybe you say it under your breath. Oh God, help me in my circumstance. I need the power of the resurrection in this area or that area. Maybe in an area where I'm struggling in sin and I've tried to get traction before. Maybe I've had victory in the past, but I'm struggling today. I need your power to overcome Addiction, over alcohol, over smoking, maybe over my language. I can't get the curse words out of my vocabulary. I need your power. Maybe you need the power of the resurrection to to restore a broken relationship. Oh God, we call upon you. Lord, you are able to meet us on this Easter Sunday morning. Now, I want you to just raise your hands to the, to the Lord. I want you to make your body like you're a big cup, all right? Just like this. And I want you just to, uh, just to begin to thank the Lord for his help. Thank him for his provision. Thank him for his everlasting forgiveness for the strength that comes through the power of the resurrection. Come on, from the front to the back. Thank you, Lord, for filling me, for changing me, for making my life different. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you have not forgotten, but Lord, you have set my feet on a rock, that you have given me a fresh start, that you have given me new beginnings today. What's happened in the past is in the past. Today is new because of your power, because of your resurrection. And we thank you, God. We glorify your name. And God, we believe. We believe in you. We believe that you're the Son of God, that you're the risen one. We believe, God, that you died and that you rose from the grave. And God, we put our faith in you This morning, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, and amen, and amen, amen.